Hello there, you're listening to The Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. We'll also be exploring the history of the Spider-Verse across various audiovisual mediums to see how different incarnations of everyone's favorite web slinger tackled this concept and how it has evolved into the sprawling sensation seen in the latest Spidey flick across the Spider-Verse. Okay, let's begin with some news. Just not too much going on. A little thing we did get to find out from Christopher Nolan doing promotion for his newest film coming out. Oppenheimer is mm-hmm. going to be rated R. So no, no chidgens are going to be in there watching Oppenheimer become the destroyer of worlds. Um, so yeah, that'll be fascinating to see how that affects both its box office prospects, but also what he felt needed to be in there that was right rated r material you think after he says i am become death he just whips out his dick (laughs) exactly that was actually the little known fact of what went down after that quote everyone always leaves off the part where he just (laughs) check whips out (laughs) (laughs) i am become death and it turns me on (laughs) (laughs) yeah so now we're we're all waiting on barbie to see what they're gonna do, their response. Oh, dude. they're gonna make the <laughs> bubblegum comedy become a R-rated flick. That'd be wild. But I think it's supposedly the rumor is PG thirteen for Barbie. Which sounds right. Yeah, it does. It'd probably be PG-13. although with those you know beat you off jokes. There's That's a line. PG-13 I remember that from the trailer. Joke. It That's certainly is. But I'm saying they were close. They were getting. Close I can't to wait the, for Barbie. Uh, it's gonna be so good to pull in the Oppenheimer. And whipping it out, but yeah, that'll be exciting again. Which one are which one are we watching first, Oppenheimer and then Barbie? We'll have to see. Well, I think that might be the play, but I'm feeling we'll, like we'll have to see. Maybe we leave it up to fate. You know, flip a we coin. Just, we flip a coin. Yeah, you do one and then watch the other, and then we switch. You keep bringing that up, and I think that it would be a fun experiment to see because we should have someone's opinion that watches it the opposite way that we do. Like just ask, someone out there in the ether, we can be like, hey, ask Sebastian and Alessandro to do that. Watch it in reverse order from us. Yeah, that'd be great. Just to just to get someone's insights. I mean, just right. chat about it later on the show and be like, oh, it's got to be a different off. feeling. Could you imagine following up Barbie with Oppenheimer? I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like that would be much weirder. It would. So, yeah, that'll be that'd be fun to see how that shakes out. Uh, in other news, Ahsoka, the Star Wars show centered around her, is going to be released in late August, August 23rd on Disney+. Plus. And then in a similar vein of Disney stuff, Captain America 4, it is changing its name from New World Order to Brave New World. Which is dumb. You think it's dumb? I think that's good. I did not I like New World worse. Order. I think Brave New World sounds worse. I think New World Order, I mean, it does sound better, but it's just so loaded nowadays. I feel like it's just better to stay away from that. I suppose. Um, I thought I thought like that was the intention. They wanted to load it to give that feeling of like, corruption in the government like true that's what Captain but it's like fighting. the 35th marvel film like we're not that deep here you don't need to bring that stuff into it brave new world again they want to keep this like new world thing um 
So I don't know. I think it is a better alternative, but I would have just liked to see them, I don't know, take it in a totally different direction, make it even more distinct. But yeah, oh well. no matter what, it, it's, it just sounds stupid. So we'll for see. sure. Uh, okay, now let's jump into the box office breakdown for June 2nd to the 4th. Coming on top, of course, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse with a huge 120 million opening. God damn. Compare that to Into the Spider-Verse in 2018's opening of 35 million. That's crazy. That is a huge leap. That is insane. Beyond the Spider-Verse is going to be even higher. That's insane. That's crazy. I know. I mean, what a massive jump. Just goes to show how... Everyone who was able to catch up with it after it came on theaters, I think it was on Netflix for like a very long time. So mm-hmm. that plus, as we'll talk about here, like the idea of the multiverse and the Spider-Verse specifically has gotten huge. So people yeah. showed out. It was amazing. I can't believe Into the Spider-Verse came out five years ago. I know. That is it insane. Is, it is rough to think about all these gaps in the major <sighs> movies. Man. Don't uh, remind me. <laughs> I mean, you brought it up. You reminded us. Jesus. You're right. Making us feel old. All right, what's the next one? <laughs> the Little Mermaid, after Across the Spider-Verse, made $41 million over the past weekend, which is a decent hold. It is, yeah. Uh, the Boogeyman debuted and made $12 million. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 made $10.6 million. Fast X with $9.5 million. Which is a travesty for a piece of art like Fast X. <laughs> it should be making millions and hundreds and hundreds of millions. It should be making billions of dollars. I mean, not quite. Again, overseas, it's doing quite well, but again, yeah. domestic, it is not the sensation it was. Although, again, you have yourself to blame. Have you seen Fast X? Have you seen that? No, I art? haven't. Exactly. <laughs> After Fast X with the Super Mario Bros. movie, it was 3.3 million over the past weekend. About My Father with 2 million. The Machine, 1.7 million. You Hurt My Feelings coming under 1 million with 770,000. And Kandahar, just a little below that, was 750,000. Now for predictions for this upcoming week. Again, we're in the peak of the summer season, so a big release every week. Transformers yeah. Rise of the Beasts is coming out. So just to look at what the previous Transformers films have made. Again, it's been another five-year hiatus for this franchise. Age of Extinction in 2014 had $100 million. For its opening, The Last Night in 2017 had $44 million. That's a huge drop-off. Yeah. And then Bumblebee in 2018, that spinoff had $21 million. So you can see. It's crazy. This, I heard this, Bumblebee this, wasn't even that bad. No, it's supposed to be really good. It's um, crazy. But sadly, yeah, the franchise was just poisoned at, the, at that point. People didn't come out. So yeah. for this one, definitely trying to be a revival. It's a prequel, but it's still like in the same continuity. But they're hoping to bring people back in. What do you think, Dylan, it'll get for its opening? Mm, I think there's a little more hype around this one than Bumblebee, but I also don't think it's going to like do Age of Extinction numbers. I'm going to say 40 to 50 million. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm thinking <clears throat> that's just all of like the projections. It was supposed to, there were some people that said 40 million, which I was really low. And then people have said it's around like 50 million to 60 million. So I'd say it'll. Yeah, be in the higher end of that range. Um, which, again, far cry from what it used to be. I mean, these films were making mm-hmm. billions uh, back in its heyday. But this one, as long as it does more than The Last Night, which is a, there definitely should be, and as long as it beats across the Spider-Verse this weekend, mm-hmm. it should be good and should be able to have some positive headlines. For the second weekend of Across the Spider-Verse, what do you think that'll do? How good will its hold be? 
I'm gonna say sixty-five. Mm. So you think it'll retain the number one? For I think it will. Box office entry. I think it will. I don't think it will, but I think it'll be really close to Rise of Peace. It'll be a fight. Yeah, I think it'll definitely be yeah, very, very close because the word of mouth on that is incredible, and we've seen how that has driven incredible second weekend holds, even for superhero films. But this one had a huge opening, so the trade-off there. I think it'll probably be at least a 50% drop, yeah. so it'll come underneath Rise of the Beasts. But let us now start digging into the Spider-Verse. So this will not be a review of Across the Spider-Verse or Into the Spider-Verse, any of those films. We will save that for a Spider-Man special next year, when hopefully Beyond the Spider-Verse comes out and it doesn't get delayed. But for this Spider-Man special, we are going to be looking back at all the different incarnations of the Spider-Verse, seeing where it sort of originated with the 90s cartoon and then going through some other major milestone moments like the Shattered Dimensions video game, leading up to where we are now with the animated Spider-Verse trilogy and then, of course, No Way Home a few years back. So let's jump into it with the 90s cartoon spider-man the animated series this one was definitely my first exposure to it and from what i could see like there were other iterations of the spider people like i think 299 and Mm -hmm. noir had already sort of come out but this was like the first idea of okay bring these alternate dimension spider-man together and of course 299 noir don't show up here but it is fascinating that this was sort of the first time we got to see this concept play out. You had not seen these episodes, right? No, I did not watch the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. I was on the Batman grind at the time. Well, oh. I wasn't alive at the time, but I, I was watching the Batman cartoon. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like the reruns and all kid, that, yeah. for sure. I was a Batman yeah. guy. I was definitely sure. on that Batman grind, too. I mean, that's a great That show's and, amazing. And going back and watching it, oh, like the Batman one great. holds up. It's the same way of like, avatar the last airbender where it's like mm. for kids but as an adult it's still like incredible it's to see so how good. how high quality it is batman absolutely. absolutely is that the spider-man series i will say <laughs> doesn't hold up quite as well i feel uh, like the pacing in the episodes is a little bit off like the bat the batman show was able to take a breath and be able to like i know this was breakneck pace i was like this is why yeah maybe it was because we were watching the finale and they were packing a lot into two episodes but it felt like they were rushing through a lot of the beats just to get to the next point. It was because it was constrained. It's like there were 20 minute episodes, but then that's like a minute at least of the opening credits. And then I'd assume at least a minute seconds, maybe a minute at the end. Yeah. And a minute of recap. So it's not a lot of time at all. So they were no. very constrained. Um, but I watched a couple other episodes as well. Just like get back into the groove of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, a it's lot like of those every- episodes are very quick. Yeah. Okay. So I think they just had high ambitions. They wanted to tell a lot of story and they didn't want to simplify it. And so they just pushed through it really fast, which isn't terrible. We're still getting good stories, but with the Batman, they were aware of the time constraint and were able to cut out what wasn't needed and just stick to the story. And we were able to breathe and like exist in that world and have moments where we could just pause and like look at Batman. We're not, we're not here to talk about Batman. Let's talk about <laughs> Spider-Man. Exactly. That 90s cartoon Spider-Man. We're talking about the final two episodes of that series, which are the Spider-Wars episodes when Madam Web brings our Spider-Man along with 
uh, what, five other Spider-Men into uh, a new battle with a Carnage Spider-Man symbiote who is trying to destroy all of reality. Indeed. Yes. So, yeah, very ambitious stuff there to pack into two episodes. 44 minutes, yeah. Uh, So they had, yeah, our Spider-Man that we've been following the whole time. There was an eight-limbed Spider-Man and like six arms. Uh, There was Mm -hmm. a Doc Ock Spider-Man. There was an armored Spider-Man. He was very wealthy in his universe. There was a Spider-Man with no powers. There was the Scarlet Spider, right? Ben Riley, the clone. Mm -hmm. And that was all of them, right? All the Spider-Men on our team. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So yeah, they're all gathered together by Madame Web and the Beyonder, and they're saying, hey, to save the universe, we need to go stop that spider carnage guy. So we see them all get together. They go to, it was the Ben Riley's universe. Mm-hmm. They go there, because that's, you know, that whole plot line of the Peter Parker in that universe finds out that he's the clone, and so he gets all distraught, and his mind sort of breaks because of that, and then he goes crazy goes evil so now he's trying to destroy everything he's teamed up with kingpin which as an aside this and into the spider-verse at least that did carry on that idea um but from watching the show as a kid i always loved the like constant sort of rivalry that he would have with kingpin mm-hmm. they had the same thing with like norman osborne throughout the series i remember that yeah. also the osborne's hair was he in yeah he was and he was yeah. so you were able to see it so you can see his hair that hair always the waves is so iconic. Yeah, I just always remember that <laughs> from this. this Why would they draw him like that? I don't know, but I love it. It's so weird. It's such a choice. Um, but anyway, so I always loved that dynamic of him being like one of the main like, Spider-Man villains. Yeah, and sadly, like he never appeared in anything else basically until Into the Spider Verse. They were able to have him as like the villain, so I'm happy about that. But yeah, we see them teaming up, but of course, King Ben's getting. Uh, fooled by Spider Carnage, who has his own devious plans to destroy the entire universe. It's interesting how how similar the plot is for Kingpin in the '90s cartoon to Into the Spider Verse. Kingpin comes up with an interdimensional portal using Jonathan Owen's technology, mm-hmm. which is the same thing as Into the Spider Verse. Exactly. But I think it's interesting. Uh, maybe that originated in a comic somewhere, and they're all basing it off of or that. It I'm originated sure. here. In, like we'll, we'll talk about here. Yeah, but a lot of these have similarities and parallels. And it was sort of a natural buildup from like this one, Spider Wars, leading into the next one that we'll talk about. And then there does become a comic series that's like called Spider Verse, but it it all pretty much started from this one. And there are those elements of like, yeah, Kingpin's sort of motivation and how the like crossing interdimensional, like that interdimensional device, all that stuff, how they come into play. They borrow a lot from each other, which I think is nice. How again, it started from this humble like big finale to this animated show in two parts where he has, we're saying it's very um, fast paced and they wanted to do so much with it, but they were constrained to what we see in across the spider verse where it's like that idea unleashed to the max and they are just throwing everything they can in there. And it's fantastic. So mm-hmm. yeah, this one I thought was interesting. One thing that I noticed they did in this that hasn't come up in any of the other incarnations is some of the gags they can do from all the Spider-Men actually looking the exact same. Because all of these ones, aside from Ben, is uh, Peter Parker. Yeah. So they look exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and again that's because it's like an animated medium but the characters respond to them as if they are their own peter whereas in no way home right all the peters clearly look different because they're different live action uh, actors so mm-hmm. characters never are like oh that's our spider-man like they clearly see when andrew garfield walks in they're like oh who is this guy um, hmm. the spider-verse again sort of like doesn't get to play around with that since so many of the spider people are not peter um so there's never like a moment where two peters are in the same room and then yeah in this show they were able to play around with that and you have him encountering gwen who in the armored spider-man universe he's married to gwen and so he has to sort of play around with the idea of oh no these people think i'm their peter she's trying to kiss me or talk to me like mm-hmm. her husband and wife that dude really has like a- fumbles the ball for sure too because mj goes in and he goes oh my god mj i'm in love with you i know that I'm too in love it's like my man forgot <laughs> that like completely different universe and he also knew that in this universe peter and mj are not together so he's trying to go to this random chick screwing up armored spider-man's life when gwen comes in afterwards and was like so what no, was that <laughs> honestly armored spider-man had it coming dude that dude fucking sucked I know he, yeah, a little bit of schmuck, very arrogant, very self-involved. Um, so I did think that was funny how they were able to play around with that gag, um, where none of the other Spider-Verse things have been able to do so. Mm-hmm. They also have for this villain is unique compared to all the other ones. It's Spider Carnage, so another like Peter Parker variant. Um, I, dude, think I just that, want to talk about how I this guy is cool just. Concept. It is a cool concept, um, and you'll see how cool i thought it was earlier on but i think dude the voice actor in this he's show going nuts. he was unhinged he was having fun in the studio i'm worried about his voice a lot of the times but this the meme that everyone knows about like shocker when he has the bro symbiote. i love that shocker me. i'll chase you to the ends of the earth that was great. I did go back and watch good. those episodes, that three-part um, Venom episode, which is uh-huh. great. That one, because it's like three parts, they were able to space it out a little bit more, so it wasn't yeah. as insanely paced. Um, and then, yeah, that moment was shocker. It's great. <laughs> but there are other moments, too. I also watched um, the season three finale, which was them adapting, again, that sort of Gwen storyline. Mm-hmm. Green Goblin takes MJ and is like threatening to drop her off the roof, and then does, and then she gets lost in time she like goes into that interdimensional device that green goblin apparently had from way Mm. back when um but peter thinks she's just gone like disappeared and or died somewhere and so he's just going off like and this is without the symbiote or anything but he's doing that same sort of screaming like blood curling screaming threatening green goblin's life he does that he does that again in uh one of the memes is, is in this episode, or it's referenced in this episode. They do the flashback to an earlier episode where MJ got cloned, and MJ's oh, clone is like yeah. dissolving, and he goes, <laughs> "I know this man is he just, just disappeared, unleashing." He's got a great scream. <laughs> so yeah, yeah that's that crazy. Great. And then I think it's also wild that spread a carnage at the end of it he just freaking kills himself right? <laughs> jumps into the i think what's even die. crazier is that is that spider-man's like i should have saved him and uncle ben goes no <laughs> uh, he, he knew what he was doing exactly he's like no he he knew it had to be done yeah i that think that's part, there was a moment that made me laugh so hard in this episode can you guess what it was the second episode the very finale can you guess what it was 
No, I don't think so. Because I watched it like over a week ago. At this point. It's when Spider-Man decides, I have to use my brain. I can't just fight Spider-Man. He swings off <laughs> and it cuts back to armored Spider-Man and he goes, why isn't he saving my girlfriend? Oh, yeah, that is pretty good. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny. <laughs> I do remember it. That got a chuckle out of me. Um, yeah, th- that part of he's like, okay, how can I get to him? What's the best way to like fight Peter Parker? Oh, let me go and get my uncle. What I thought was crazy, though, was he was like, in this universe, I bet Uncle Ben is alive. Yeah. He's like made a bet on that. And then it's true. And he brings Uncle Ben to start talking to Spider Carnage. Um, which again, the implication there of like, oh, if Uncle Ben never died, never got shot, then Peter would just go on to become insanely rich, <laughs> become the Tony Stark of the world. Yeah, multi-billionaire. <laughs> so I was like, interesting. You really do need a two-parent household. Um, yeah, That's for real. Funny. Stable two-parent household, very critical <laughs> to your success in life. Um, so I do, I like the approach of it being like, okay, like Ben is definitely the soft spot for Peter. Um, I would have preferred, though, it being like Aunt May or something like that. I, w- to... I thought it was going to be Aunt May. Yeah. I th- I anticipated, because I think I partially remembered it from when I saw it as a kid. But I was like, oh, it's going to be Uncle Ben. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I like the should've... idea of Peter in any of the universes, like not having that Uncle Ben moment, which we'll talk about later on. Um, and we'll give like a spoiler warning about that. but. This particular moment, I just, I don't know. I don't like the fact that he was like, oh, let me go get Ben. And Ben just happens to be alive in this. Yeah. I would have liked if he had on May, again, reach out to Spider Carnage. And again, like using Uncle Ben's famous words about responsibility to get through to him. Mm. Um, but I, I think he should have been on May. I think he should have been on May because literally it they say in the, Ben Riley says in the description for like why that Peter went crazy. Is because, you know, Uncle Ben dies and that's sad, but it happens to every Spider-Man. But then Aunt May dies and that's too much for him to handle. Mm-hmm. So like, if you bring Aunt May back into it, that's the thing that broke him. It'd be the thing to bring him back. That too. Yeah, that's a great point. So I was really anticipating it being Aunt May and it just wasn't. Yeah. Uh, another thing in this episode towards the very end of it that I thought was so sweet and so touching mm-hmm. was the Stan Lee cameo. Yeah, that was really nice. Where he visits the world where... He's a comic book character written by Stan Lee. And that was also a very fun way to have that one Spider-Man with no powers. He's just an actor for Spider-Man in his own Yeah, can universe. we talk about how even though he was just an actor playing Spider-Man, he really got into the role. He went in there and he was trying to save the day and everything. He did. It was great. It was a, again, a nice way to touch on the whole themes of like anyone can help out and be a hero. You don't need to have those powers. But if you do have those powers, right, you have the responsibility to truly be stepping up in every way you can. Um, so I think that was a very nice touch. But then, yeah, just seeing Stan Lee in this animated form, you know, talking with the the real life, quote unquote, version of his character that's actually out there saving the universe, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It was just so sweet. Like them swinging around the city. So nice. Yeah, it was nice. I liked it. Rest um, in peace, Stan Lee. For sure. And then the ending with Madam Web and Spider-Man and they're going through the multiverse looking for mary jane perfect setup for beyond the spider-verse perhaps because i again we'll talk about across spider-verse later on this isn't really a spoiler for like the cameos that are or are not in there um but this 90s cartoon version was not in there 
whereas some mm-hmm. other animated Spider-Man show versions were in there. So perhaps we're going to be able to see this guy going through the Spider-Verse. That'd still be looking cool. for his Mary Jane or maybe finding Mary Jane. It'd be really but cool if he found Mary Jane. I think that'd be so amazing. Like It'd be so would, poetic. It would be so poetic. It would absolutely satisfy, satisfy this. Because, I mean, you assume, like, oh, he's going to go find Mary Jane. It'll be great. But you don't see that reunion. So finally having that closure would be great. Especially because, again, it's like it's the end of season three that she gets lost. Yeah. She's just gone. And then they bring her back as, like, the clone. But then they realize, oh, that's not actually Mary Jane. So mm-hmm. the true Mary Jane and Peter Parker haven't been together for two seasons in that show. And then mm-hmm. for almost 30 years now, we have still, still yet to have that completion. I think yeah. they did release, there was like an audio thing, like the creator of the show had written out a script of their reunion. And I think he got the voice actors to come back and like read it. So there was like an audio episode of it, which is really nice, but it'd be so cool to see in Beyond the Spider-Verse them actually sick. reconnecting and the story getting completed that'd be great for sure we'll mm-hmm. see if it happens i mean they did take inspiration from the show so maybe maybe they have that in mind but you never know maybe it's something they just overlook so i'm right. not gonna get my hopes up mm-hmm. all right now let's talk about spider-man shattered dimensions hell yeah the 2010 video game you have played it i have played it we both really enjoy it indeed here's what i think is great though i've asked multiple people in the lead up to this trying to a get a guess but also just to see you know people's feelings on the spider-verse in general and you know what they sort of remember of the early versions of it mm-hmm. very few people have played this game yeah it so was, many people have asked and no one's playing it. i'm like that's crazy because this was, was underground apparently because it yeah. was i remember it so fondly yeah um i remember like, seeing I can, the cover at gamestop all the time me too great cover um yeah I remember the loading screen, like being able to flip through each of the different dimensions and seeing like the villain silhouettes, like all that stuff um, is just so ingrained in my memory. So it's crazy that so many people just never even knew about it. But yeah. this one definitely is very critical to the Spider-Verse concept and helping it shape into what it's become now. So that, again, like its impact, its significance is so huge, but has sort of fallen by the wayside yeah. um, as of late, which is kind of crazy. But the gist of the game, Mysterio, main villain for this one, he's stealing some sort of magical tablet. Spider-Man mm-hmm. tries to stop him, punches it. It shatters and spreads across different dimensions. And then so Madam Web, once again, coming in to pull together a few different Spider-Men to help retrieve this tablet, stop Mysterio from having power to destroy different dimensions. So for you, can you yeah. remember when you first played this game? Like, was it when it first came out? Like, talk about your history with the game. I'm uh, I'm gonna take it way back. I'm gonna go oh. way back. All right. Let's the go. first Spider-Man game I ever played was called Spider-Man 2 Codename Electro. It was the sequel to the first ever Spider-Man game on the PS1, which has nothing to do with any of the movies. <laughs> so they made the first Spider-Man game, and then the second one, Electro was the villain. And I played the second one, and I still don't think I've beaten it. I own it, and I should go in and I should beat the game. But it's it's honestly really hard because the game controls are fucking impossible. It's a PS1 game. <laughs> Controlling Spider-Man is really, really difficult. But it's open world, and it's, like, really, really cool. I played nice. that game. I played Spider-Man 2, the movie adaptation, 
incredible. Mm-hmm. Played Spider-Man 3, the movie adaptation. Very good. Agreed. <laughs> I do like that game a lot. I'm craving more Spider-Man video games at this point. Maybe 2013, 2014. I need more Spider-Man in my life because the Spider-Man games are so much fun. In fact, I might go back and start playing some more Spider-Man games <laughs> once I finish moving and stuff. Whip out the old PS2, play Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 2 code in my lecture. Those two games are just incredible. Nice. But lo and behold, I, I need more Spider-Man games. I go to the store, I'm looking for Spider-Man games. And there it is. Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions. Cool ass cover. With all four Spider-Men lined up, mm-hmm. I'm thinking this is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. Did it live up to my expectations? Not quite. Was it fun in its own way? Absolutely. It's not the Spider-Man game that I'm used to. Everybody's used to just playing a Spider-Man in New York. This is a different take on Spider-Man. It's very much like a level-based game where you're progressing through levels to get to a mission than fighting bosses. Right, not open is, world or anything Not open like world that. or anything, yeah, which is fine. It's fine. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed certain parts more than other parts, but I like the story. I like the art styles. I like what they're going for with everything. And so I had a good time and I have fond memories, especially of the noir levels. I think they're just gorgeous, the way that they're animated. Mm-hmm. And like the gameplay is fun because it reminds me of Batman Arkham games. Absolutely, and yeah. The bosses in those uh, missions looked like terrifying. They were like really scary looking. Vulture was really scary looking. What about you, Ryan? What were your interactions with Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions? So, I mean, I agree with you there. Of I was playing Spider-Man games. It was definitely, I think, the first game I ever played. I don't even have memories of this. I remember my mom, though, telling me about me as a little kid trying to play the first Spider-Man game. That was the movie adaptation on, mm-hmm. um, I guess, yeah, it was the PS2. But, I mean, I'm a little kid, so I don't really know how the controls work. And so I'm yeah. so frustrated. I was, like, crying because I couldn't get the character to swing my mm-hmm. mom was trying to help me but she's no gamer so she has no idea like what's going on either that's really um, funny so like from that point i mean i was playing spider-man games i already yeah i remember playing through that game um the movie adaptations for sure i remember on my game boy there's one that is uh like you delivering pizzas <laughs> i don't know if that was just the mini game or that's the whole game but it's like you swinging around trying to deliver pizzas while fighting off like random Crooks that are coming at you. Mm-hmm. So, and then all the like amazing Spider-Man games too. I had all that, obviously the recent Insomniac ones. So oh, yeah, all of that stuff I played, but I remember, and I can't remember if it was like right when it came out, like back 2010, 2011, I feel like it must've just because I remember revisiting that game so much. That's why so much of it is like fresh in my mind. And it was, just such a cool concept as as you said the cover so sick and then actually being able to play through as those different spider-men they have those different worlds as you pointed out like the art styles will be different like black and white for noir but the play mm-hmm. styles also being different yeah it's much more stealth focused in the advancement noir. of the like the characters abilities was all different because they could all do different things exactly very true um so yeah let's talk about those four different spider-men so you have yeah. the the classic one, Amazing Spider-Man. You have the Ultimate Spider-Man, who's in the black suit, right, with the symbiote. You have Spider-Man 2099, and then you have Spider-Man Noir. Yep. So those were the four. Um, and then I put it here uh, on the thing. I was trying to remember, just from mm-hmm. memory, like all the different villains. And I got 
pretty much all of them. I remember I put Juggernaut here because I was like, I remember fighting against Juggernaut in a Spider-Man game. And I was like, yep. in what game would Juggernaut be? Because he's not like a classic Spidey villain um, that you normally think of. So that one I did have. I forgot Carnage for whatever reason. I remember. What, what's crazy is you, is this all from memory? Did you look it up? This was from, I think it was all from memory. Carnage was the only one that. I had to go and look up. That's and Scorpion, Scorpion was a guess. I knew Doc Ock for sure. I knew Hobgoblin for sure. I remembered Hammerhead because, as you said, those noir ones were very. Yeah. And then Goblin actually is the other one that I had to look up. I forgot. You forgot <laughs> it was Goblin, bro. Do you don't remember yeah. the concept of like it was? Dude, the whole noir storyline was crazy. It was Green Goblin, and he was like a mob boss. And Hammerhead yeah. was like his number two, but Hammerhead was plotting to like overtake him, and that's when you like encounter Hammerhead because he has like the machine gun arms. He's like trying to take over Goblin's operation, but you beat him first. And then Vulture is the assassin or the hitman that Goblin hired to kill Uncle Ben. Like it's like a crazy plot, and it was so cool. Right? Yeah, I remember that. I remember, funny enough, the Goblin level. That one was the one at like the the circus. Yeah, yeah, the circus thing. I remember that more than the boss fight with Goblin, which is crazy. Um, I remembered yeah, Hobgoblin and Doc Ock distinctly. Scorpion, I don't remember. I just figured I was like, I bet. That was the one that happened in 2099. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Electro and like Sandman, Craven, like all those I remember distinctly. The one that was my absolute favorite though mm. was the Deadpool level. Mm. Where you're on like that reality show that he's yeah. got and you're trying to survive. That one was by far my favorite. I remember replaying that so many times. I think it's fun. I think it was fun to experience, but the storytelling of the noir levels, I think the Vulture one is the best because he's just so terrifying. He really is. I remember not liking that so much as a game. Like, he's very spooky, scary, uh, very vicious. So that one was less inviting as a replay than Deadpool, which is very... He's got big, glowing, yellow eyes and, like, sharp... He's got, like, like Pennywise teeth. Mm-hmm. he's a scary thing he certainly is yeah so is that so noir was your favorite spider-man yeah for sure to play as oh 100 but that's because i'm such a huge arkham fan right because the play styles were definitely similar i would just remember like that would be fun to a point but what i also loved about the arkham games was being able to be like okay enough of this and just start beating up on them if need be mm-hmm. And then, like, being able to get away quickly. I think that was harder to do in the Spider-Man Noir. Like, you wouldn't be able to actually go fisticuffs with them as easily. Um, sure. But, I mean, yeah, the level designs of that. The and then Green it, Goblin had, like, he had, like, turned himself into, like, a giant goblin with the, with the, they, yeah, like, they like, wrote it, it out. Goblin, not Green Goblin. The way they had written it out was just so genius. Because, like, when you go in in the Noir levels, the first two people you fight are relatively like normal looking people. Like they don't have any like advanced powers or anything. They're just scary looking like Hammerhead has guns and he can like get really aggressive. And then the vulture is just like well, scary looking. He did have that big old forehead though. He did have that big old forehead <laughs> for sure. But, but like you get to green goblin and like the, the plot line was that he had taken the tablet, which has special powers and he had turned himself into a giant goblin and he's scary looking too. It's such a good plot. Absolutely. It's so good. Um, so, yeah. Any other levels you want to shout out? Any ones that were memorable? No, none of them stood out like the noir ones. They were just so good. It was crazy. Did you, 
Did you ever go back and find that game? Like, do you still have it? I swear to God, it's probably at my dad's house. Gotcha. You'll have to, I bet you I could find it and then start playing it again. If you do find it, let me know. We should have a playthrough of Shattered yeah. Dimensions. We'll run Let's it back. Some of those games. For sure. Um, but yeah, another thing I wanted to shout out here was with the voice cast. So <laughs> I put Barney since in Spider-Man. Because they had Neil Patrick Harris was the uh, amazing Spider-Man, the regular mm-hmm. one. Uh, but then for each of the actors, or each of the Spider-Man rather, they brought back uh, previous Spider-Man voice actors. Yeah. So in noir, you had the 90s cartoon voice Who actor. did great. He absolutely did. Killed it. Because um, even in like the 90s cartoon one, there's always like an edge to his voice mm-hmm. that it's not like the, you know, you think of like the teen or like more boyish version of Spider-Man. Like he definitely always had more of that edge and he was able to lean into that with noir. Um, with the ultimate... Spider-Man. It was the voice actor for the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon series. And it was then, not. For, oh yeah, keep going, keep going. And then for twenty ninety nine, it was the voice actor for the eighties cartoon. Of Spider-Man it was not very great in that role. Well, you see, <laughs> for the eighties cartoon, his voice was fantastic. Works, yes, so, but for the twenty ninety nine one, doesn't quite uh, match that sort of vibe. But no, it was alright. You know. Uh, I like though that they did bring back all those like previous voice that voice actors. That was really I think cool. that's cool, yeah, for sure. Um, and then yeah, but this one, I think that's different is since they're each in their own sort of dimension, trying to tackle their own villains specific to that dimension. They don't interact much, if mm-hmm. at all. Like at the very very end, yeah, of the Mysterio fight, they get together and they're like in the same shot, but you never are really playing as any of them and able to switch around. Yeah. to them and that would be cool moment. that would have been cool but yeah so for the most part it's just you see four separate spider-man you get to play in their dimensions for a bit but the spider-man don't actually interact all that much um so yeah i think that was a another interesting approach to it bro let's talk about mysterio for a second he looked fucked up in that game <laughs> he was like a, a weird looking little egg he was yeah he did not look good bowl. Fishbowl was nixed for the Egg Bowl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Didn't look good. The um, Another thing I want to bring up, though, the Madam Web thing. I thought she did look cool. Oh, she like the blindfold on. Love she it. absolutely yeah. was that. That was another thing I mentioned here. Like, bring us Madam Web. Where They're is she the... in the Spider-Verse thing? Yeah, that's gross. Don't bring us a Madam Web live action thing. Isn't that weird? Bring us her in the spider-verse because i mean that's how we always see she's always what if they tie in the the live action madam web with all the other sony spider-man products like the into the spider-verse stuff and uh all that yeah we'll we'll talk about that of like the future (laughs) spider-man what they should do and should not do but i'm just saying look give us give us a cameo or something and beyond the spider-verse like let's go Mm -hmm. at least something she doesn't have to be like integral to the plot of like bringing spider-man together since that's already been covered just show her i mean i don't know again the way that they've borrowed from the 90s one and shared dimensions and all that stuff how it's like the foundation for a lot of what they're doing i feel like she's gonna be included in some way but one can only hope one uh and another thing this was uh one of the writers on this was dan slot so he was uh spider-man and like fantastic four comic book writer and he ended up later on in 2014 writing a spider-verse comics a lot of which again is the basis for you know into the spider-verse 
Um, but he carried over a lot of the ideas that he and other people had come up with for this game. Mm-hmm. So this game, again, was like the inspiration for that Spider-Verse comics, which in turn was the inspiration for Into the Spider-Verse. So again, this one was very, very critical to uh, the Spider-Verse that we see now and love so much. Yeah. Any other last minute thoughts on Shattered Dimensions? Yeah. Not much. I just had a lot of fun playing it. It was a good game. I recommend it. If you can find an old copy, like an old PS3 copy, and you still have a PS3, you should give it a shot. You know? Indeed. Or maybe you can find it on, like, the... What is it called? The the PlayStation Store, where they let you just, like, stream old games. Maybe you could do that. I don't know if they have it on there. But it's good. It's a fun game. Agreed. Highly recommend. All right. Now we're going to do something fun. Yeah, let's take a break from uh, talking about real media and let's talk about some uh, fictional, some very much uh, uh, in the works media. <laughs> so we're not in the works at all, but it was no, a fun little idea. Works. Well, at one point in time, it could have, you know, come to fruition, but at this point it won't. But yeah, there was uh, a time mm-hmm. where I had a little storybook or idea journal. With a big eagle on the front, apparently. It does have an eagle in front. I love that. Um, where I would jot down all the ideas, just like quick summaries and yeah, just any sort of ideas I had for stories. Mm-hmm. And this was 2014 or 2015 wow. was from when this came from. So and very so, soon after Shattered Dimensions, like you played it. You played Shattered Dimensions very soon, soon after it. You had this idea. Well, because well, Shattered Dimensions came out 2010. Yeah, but did um, you like play it in 2010? Again, I don't remember the exact time, but I feel like it was earlier. Like, it definitely was in 2014 when I first played it. Um, so I think I did play it relatively early when it had come out. But either way, this was definitely Shard Dimensions was gestating in my mind along with the Spider Wars thing um, for the longest time. And then so when I was writing down these ideas, I'm like, oh, what would be cool for a Spider-Man thing? And then also you have to... I see here there's something that says like June 2015. So it's 2015. Mm-hmm. I'm not yet 15 years old, but getting close to it. But around yeah. this time, right, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 had come out in 2014. Mm-hmm. Did not do so well. So Andrew Garfield's out. Sony is talking with Marvel to bring Spider-Man into the MCU. Casting hasn't happened yet. But we now know that there's going to be three spider-men flowing about right we had toby we had andrew now there's gonna be a third one so i'm thinking you've decided to step up and (laughs) write this for them 14 year old me was like okay guys put your pens away i've got this one all right right. you can all relax now i ryan connor hill have entered the scene (laughs) and prepare to get your socks blown off Exactly. I was going to tell Kevin Feige that he can take a vacation. Yeah. Take a few weeks off. I'll handle this. All right. You, you've worked enough, Kevin. Kevin, Kevin, I got this. All right. You take a break, Kevin. I got it. Exactly. Yeah. So I have here on page 21. You can't really see it through the thing. But um, yeah, on page 21, I was like, all right, I'm going to put down my idea for a Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I had five films in this wow. little thing I, it was also because yeah i totally forgot about this too i built up to the spider-verse thing i was like you know we need to have a mini 
like MCU thing of we have these different films to introduce these characters and then we'll bring them all together in one, uh, you know, Spider-Verse event. Okay. So the first one was a black cat spinoff film, okay. which would be a sort of separate thing, but it would hint at what was to come. But that comes before even Spider-Man. Yes. Okay. So, which points to another thing of, which we'll talk about later on, but like, where is Black Cat? Why has she not been in anything yet? Anything. Any live action No thing? live action Black Cat. That's crazy. That is absurd to me. Bring us Black Cat. So, yeah, I had that as the first film, right? So, like a pre-spinoff thing. Yeah. Um, and then I have Spider-Man 4. Wow. He did so, it. Exactly. You yes. got Spider-Man 4 made. <laughs> I said this is called Spider-Man 4 because it's a continuation of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man series. It'll be a real time skip. You'll have already faced like all the villains that we see in those other reboots. Um, the story is that Craven is hunting him. Spidey is retired. And during the nth celebration of Spider-Man Day, so however long it takes after um, you know those original celebrations. Spider-Man Day? Yeah. All right. Remember that from Spider-Man 3? That was a thing? And, yeah, there's like a celebration and then he kisses Gwen. It was like a Spider-Man celebration. I don't know if it was an official like New York holiday thing, okay, but sure. that's what Keep it would going. become. They're now celebrating him. And then Craven shows up, crashes it. And then so Black Cat has to team up with Spidey because again, in the Black Cat film, there'd be references to Craven being someone that she's had run-ins with. Of course. Um, so Spidey, who's married to Mary Jane, they have to fight him. But then, get this. In huh. Spider-Man 4 from way back when, I say Spider-Man also has a subplot of Miles Morales. Whoa. Peter, at the end of it, so again, they'd be like sort of teaming up. Um, and this is before the Insomniac 2018 one. So Peter gets Miles uh, bitten to become Spider-Man since Craven might entice new villains. Craven is defeated. And I said, but Black Cat dies. I would uh, not allow that to happen. That's pretty dark. Um, Damn. So yeah, Black Cat wouldn't have died, but I don't know. I guess so wait, I was, was, the, was, the, was the plot that Peter intentionally has Miles get bit? That's what it sounds like, which is kind of crazy. It's I would imagine it would be... It had to be an accident. Miles would uh, be like working with Peter and then something goes down where uh, Miles gets bitten. And then Peter's like, oh, but you can take over the reins. Um, again, this was very sparse ideas. I mean, it's not too much detail in here. Um but yeah, so that would be the Spider-Man 4 film, the first leading up to Spider-Verse. The second, Ultimate Spider-Man, which is focusing on Miles in his reign as Spider-Man, and he faces a new foe, mm. but Scorpion in parentheses, question mark. So then he's a little bit clumsy since he's new, but he's obviously far younger than like Tobey Maguire. Um, he's more athletic, and then Peter Parker will be his mentor. So we have that one, a Miles Morales dedicated spider-man film sure the next one spider-man 2099 whoa so this would be peter and miles their deaths would be like reference to show that's in the same timeline and then i was like oh so this is happen? the toby Maguire spider-man correct so this has nothing to do with the mcu so far correct the okay. villain should most likely be the hobgoblin as discussed in the uh idea section so again you can see how a lot of it is borrowing from or just like the stuff are from the shattered dimensions yep Spider-Man will be assisted by blah, 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 some sort of like military thing, which was in the Shattered Dimensions game. I remember that being a thing. Um, I said, should be fun, but darker. 
Nice. <laughs> um, okay, and then... So, I ne- I didn't put Spider-Man Noir in here, which I know would be sad for you. Because that mm-hmm. would be cool to have in there, but... Bastard. I don't know, 299 was just the one that stuck out to me the most. That was, like, so nah, cool. Futuristic thing. 299 was not as cool as Noir. That's what I'm down for. So, I gave him his own film. But then for Spider-Verse Part 1 and 2. Yeah. So, before Across the Spider-Verse and Beyond the Spider-Verse, doing a two-parter. There was Ryan Hill's Spider-Verse. Exactly, which had two parts to it. Mm-hmm. So, I have Madam Web show up yeah. and warns Peter that, <laughs> yo, crap going down. you know for the uh very limited page you see this it's not a lot to write so no yeah i'm already three pages over so i was like look (laughs) we just gotta cut to the chase so she's warning him like yeah dimensions are at risk turns out there are other spider-men and women out there they learn that spider carnage so this is borrowing from the 90s one spider carnage slash symbiote um so then i say like all three symbiotes are revealed so i had it as a thing where there's the Venom, there's Carnage, then there was Toxin, who's another okay. symbiote, I believe. Yeah. Um, and they're all like flown about, but then they'll all like combine oh, at the super end to become symbiote. just, yeah, basically, like just called symbiote. Um, so it'd be like, yeah, the Spider Carnage thing, but it's like all those symbiotes coming together. Um, but anyway, so yeah, he's like destroying entire dimensions. And so she needs to bring them together so they can stop it. But then here was the point where I was like, okay, so what Spider Men, what Spider People am I going to have? So I had Toby right mm-hmm. and i would have the amazing spider-man andrew garfield coming back of course and then i would have whoever the new spider-man is and again this was before the casting so i had asa butterfield slash tom as the third live action spider-man i was like whoever it'll be slash tom yeah and then there's a note where i was like tom holland will probs but we didn't know at that point we didn't That's know. really funny i had armored slash rich spidey i had oh, no woman um I had Silk, which they also, it's weird they don't have Silk in there. Scarlet mm-hmm. Spider, the eight-armed Spider-Man. Noir Spidey, he does show up. Yes! The Doc Ock Spidey, and then I had like a rookie Spidey, which I think was borrowing from that idea of like, oh, one that doesn't really have powers. So those were the Spider-Men, and of course Miles there too, right? So Toby, mm-hmm. Miles, Amazing Spider-Man, whoever the new MCU Spider-Man would be, Joy 99, Noir, and then basically the ones from... The 90s cartoon so that would be the spider people and then part one would be them again like going across dimensions trying to fight those symbiotes until they all combine um into one and then part two would be them having to chase down that symbiote yet again and then i said the final battle is spider-man versus uh anti-venom versus symbiote in a dying dimension to kill symbiote spider-man must fuse with that um fuse with anti-venom and then fuse with the symbiote question mark i don't know <laughs> and then i was like some may die can lead to spinoffs God so again, another note for kevin i was like look got a lot of spin-off kevin, potential kevin, here, kevin look at this look at this kevin i have maybe 10 years of spider-man content here just for you kevin amy exactly. amy you want to get on this amy kevin this is for you from me ryan connor hill exactly fantastic so yeah i love it spidey verse thing green light we had green light. i'll give exactly. you a billion dollars to make these five movies green light 100 <laughs> and as we've seen that would have made a billion because yes no way home when they did the live action thing of course absolutely 
was a phenomenon. So I think it's it's just interesting because that point was 20, again, like 15 before we got to see Into Spider-Verse or No Way Home. Um, and it had some of those elements, bringing the live action ones, which again, literal, like the most absurd fan fiction possible of like, what if they did the 90s cartoon thing and Shared Dimensions, but live action, they brought them all together. No way anyone could have thought that would happen. That was like the biggest pipe dream in the world that I had there, writing in my little journal, knowing nothing would ever come of it. And then it came true with No Way Home. And then we also get these Spider-Verse films that are doing that, but in the animated medium, using that to its fullest Mm -hmm. potential. Like that is just fantastic. So everything I could have wanted in my little Spider-Verse thing. Yep has been able to come to fruition. That's crazy to me. I'm so glad you got I'm that. I'm so man. excited that these things have been out there and they're done you so can still well. Make, so you can still make those last two movies come true. You know, They're still doing all the setup. They're still creating all those characters. You just need to bring them back together once more. You could do it, Ryan. Yeah. Well, they have, they're making the they Madam Web that. movie. They're it's making, uh, they've already made all this, the Spider-Man movies. Sony would probably love to do it. I mean, they probably have had <laughs> had those thoughts of like, bro, we just combine Everything. all of them, all of them together. Everything together. Here's the thing, though. It works much better in a 14-year-old uh, story journal than I think it would on the big screen. If every single one of them across every different one of those properties were coming together. Maybe they could pull it off, but that would be insane. I'm just happy with being able to get a live action one, mm-hmm. being able to get this amazing animated one. Yeah. So that's enough for me. Like, let's not it's push enough it. for you. Ryan's satisfied. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, in a different uh, incarnation, which I didn't have you uh, look at, but I decided to watch just to see how they did it. It was in the Ultimate Spider-Man TV mm-hmm. show um, that ran from like 2014 to 2018. So based on the Spider-Verse comics, they had their own approach where Peter Parker would be sent to these different dimensions. Goblin, the like noir version of Goblin, was actually the villain for this one. Nice. He's going around collecting DNA from different Spider-People to do something. I don't really know what it was. Interesting. Um, But I did think it was fascinating, the approach just took it had something like an early version of what we see a lot of in the animated Spider-Verse films, which was when he goes to different dimensions, the animation style would change a little bit. So when he went to 2099, it became 3D like CGI models yeah. rather than like traditional 2D thing. Of course, it doesn't look that great because this was like some, you know, I random know. Saturday morning cartoon. But that idea of it was like creative, like, oh, let's just, it's a different dimension. Let's do something distinct with it. And of course, Into the Spider-Verse, Across Spider-Verse have run with that in amazing ways. Um, we also see new Spider-People get thrown into the mix. He visits Spider-Ham's dimension. Perfect. He visits a medieval world where Spider-Knight is like in armor and has like a sword. Sick. He's the Spider-Man. And then Miles Morales is also Woo. there. This is one of the universes where that guy is Spider-Man. Sick. So that was pretty cool to see that. And from what I can tell, in the comics, like that was the first in time in any sort of uh, you know, audio-visual space that Miles was connected to the Spider-Verse uh, storyline. And then, of course, 
that set up in 2018 into the Spider-Verse. When we had mm-hmm. Miles being the focus of the Spider-Man that's getting caught between these different dimensions and all these Spider-People thrown around, getting thrown around. Um, and then we also see different versions of Spider-People. So we got Spider-Gwen, yeah. Spider-Woman, we got Penny Parker, yeah. and Spider-Ham, Spears, we got Noir. Yeah! <laughs> Nick Cage coming the in best. there. So, and then we also get Peter B. Parker, who's an older sort of Spider-Man, who is down on his luck and not doing so great. Um, so that's an interesting... Spider-Man always well. lands on his feet. <laughs> so, yeah, that one uh, was a, a great way to bring that more mainstream. I like that he invests in a chain of failed Spider-Man-themed restaurants. <laughs> that was a good bit. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was just a solid way to take a lot of the basics that we've seen before. And we mentioned like the Kingpin stuff, um, and traveling against different dimensions. Um, the idea of this being an origin story that was pretty new. All those other ones were Peter Parker getting caught in the Spider-Verse thing, just visiting other, um, Spider-People. But this one is like Miles finally, like first getting bit and then being able to, try and grow into spider-man and he gets assistance from all those other spider people that are out there so that's another unique take that this one had it being miles focused and it being an origin story as opposed to just like peter and established spider-man going through the dimensions to save reality um so yeah i think such a refreshing take on it obviously the animation style pushing the boundaries and making mainstream animation much more unique and creative and all that stuff. So that was fantastic. Anything else to say about Into the Spider-Verse and how it tackled the topic? No, I think you put it quite beautifully. I think the just everything to do with the animation, how they approached that was fantastic and how they approached different animation styles and how they were just trying to combine everything into one fluid motion, even though everything is so different than one another. I think it's just perfect. Like acceptance of the difference is what makes it so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then we got No Way Home. Woo! I'm Drew, the live action Spider-Man coming together. Yeah. First time we've seen the Spider-Verse concept in live action. So, and then this one, the way they approached it, instead of it being just like one major villain that's like bringing all these people together or is like trying to go across different dimensions, it's villains from the past Spider-Man's Rose Gallery that mm-hmm. are caught up in this dimension and they don't know how they got there they didn't intend to get there they're not trying to like be interdimensional travelers um they just got stuck there and they're trying to find their way back i can dig it so yeah i did think that was an interesting approach to it um definitely more accessible in that live action space than you know having some evil villain trying to conquer all of reality or destroy the multiverse so i think it was also a great way that they had compared to all these other Spider-Verse incarnations, which is us meeting these new Spider-People for the first time, not really having a connection to their backstory or what's going on with them. They're just, again, side characters. But this one, they're all Peter Parker. So we're back to the idea of like, they're all Peter Parker, but we also mm-hmm. have been through each of their stories. Like we have seen Toby in his trilogy, Andrew in his almost trilogy, um, we know where these characters have been, what have happened to them. 
the things they've struggled with, all of that. Mm-hmm. And so they had a lot of baggage being carried in here. They couldn't just be like minor cameos. They couldn't just no. be like these minor side characters. They had to be given their due since we know them and we love them. And I thought the film balanced it out really well of them clearly having progressed from when we last saw them. Mm-hmm. Like Toby and Andrew, they're older Spider-Man. They've been doing it for a long time at this point um, compared to Tom Hollins, who has been doing it for a while. But again, he's still young. He's still a teenager at that point um, in the MCU. So he can get guidance from this older Spider-Man. But then definitely how they approached it with the the Aunt May situation and Toby and Andrew being able to relate with the grief that they had and trying to steer Tom Spider-Man on a better path rather than being vengeful. I think that approach, giving them genuine substance and allowing what we know from their histories to come into play was a great approach. Mm-hmm. And I think they pulled it off. Like in that spider rooftop scene, spider therapy on the rooftop. Yeah, it's great. It is great. It is fantastic. Yeah. I, also- I do have but- some gripes though, of course. We, if you want to hear more about our gripes, you can listen to our No Way Home episode. But overall, in terms of like approaching the Spider-Verse specifically about trying to combine these characters, I feel like they did what they could. They have to balance that idea along with like an actual movie that they're trying to tell and like a plot of that movie that they're trying to tell. And I feel like it was a lot of fan service, which was the idea, of course, they were trying to like buy into that to sell tickets, which is what happened. But I feel like if they had given more like... I don't know, arcs for the other two Spider-Man. I mean, what's his name? Andrew Garfield gets to save uh, Zendaya from falling, which is nice. And then Toby gets that scene at the end with Green Goblin stabbing him for no reason, which doesn't even do anything. <laughs> right. Where he's like talking to, where he talks down Peter from like making a mistake. So like they get like little bits, but you know, I want more. I, want, I wish they had come <laughs> into the movie earlier. No, I think the way they approached it, because they didn't want to, it's still like Tom Holland's third movie, like it still has to be his film. So having them come in too early would maybe detract from that. I thought we got a lot of time with them. I was surprised, honestly, of how much time we did get with them. And I think they did have those little moments that you pointed out. I think those were very satisfactory, actually. Um, I enjoyed how much time we got with like the rogues gallery and like specifically with Doc Ock and with... uh, Willem Dafoe like we get so much time with them they're there the entire length of the movie and I felt like it was really really good yeah I wanted more time with Spider-Man like (laughs) I can see your point but I think that it being more scarce definitely helped it have much more impact and again I think we got a lot of time with them like the rooftop stuff the stuff in the lab the stuff when they first meet like Ned and uh, MJ I think all that worked great and then yeah in that final battle they were able to have moments that connected back to their own films so i think it did really well again yeah there's a lot of the fan service stuff that you knew was coming but also that's what i want man i mean as i said this was a dream come true never in my wildest dreams i think it would be able to be on the big screen but it was so when you went into the I theater, love how they handled it. on a scale of one to ten how likely did you think you'd see toby mcguire and andrew garfield it was a nine, but it wasn't a full like, oh, they're in it because they never revealed it in the marketing campaign. Yeah. So there was always, which I think was great. There was always a tiny piece that was like, what if 
they're not actually in it. Imagine how disappointed everyone would be. Dude, everybody would be furious. They absolutely Which makes would. even no sense because they didn't tease or anything. Exactly. They'd be like, wow, all these supposed You let us down rumors. even though you told us they weren't in it. Exactly. Andrew, like, doing his whole campaign of being like, I'm not in it. Trust me. Um, but yeah, I, so I think the fact that there was a tiny piece of it of like, maybe they're not actually in it. Maybe they didn't pull it off. It made it that much better when they did show up. Again, we talked about it in that No Way Home episode. I it, is like a, it is a great reveal, introduction. The reveal is fantastic. For Andrew was great. Maybe for Toby, not so much. Since she's yeah. just having a very quick succession, I would have liked a different approach there. But yeah. still, I mean, so good. Like one of the best theater yeah. experiences ever. If they had if they had delayed Toby's entrance, it would have been so cool because then because then you would have had the additional thought of like oh maybe they just got Andrew back exactly. Toby so, McGuire hasn't acted in like ten years. You know maybe he didn't come back. Mm-hmm. God, that would have yeah. been so good. True. And then the one final point, which we harped on a lot in our No Way Home episode too, but I still think they should have gone for the Sinister Six. Oh, hundred percent, right. dude. I'm still upset about that. I don't like that. Like Doc Ock was on their side wait in the, in the final wait battle. A Hold the phone. What? You are pro they should have done Sinister Six? Was yes, what? Dude, we have to go back and listen to that episode. We I thought we had a whole argument about I, I was like, they should have done Sinister Six, and you're like, no, they shouldn't have done it. What why would I think that? I don't know. That's why I was so shocked. But now you're saying you are in support and you're always in support of Sinister define, Six. Define define Sinister Six. What did you want a Sinister Six thing to be? Like what did you want them to do? In this film, in No Way Home, they had yeah. five Spider-Man villains. They should have yeah. added a sixth so that they could have fought the Sinister Six. Three Spider-Man against the Sinister Six. That's what I want. Okay. I think my argument was I liked having just those five villains, and I was fine with that. But the thing I didn't like was that it didn't feel like they were fighting all five villains at once because Doc Ock was on their side by the end of it. Right. In that final battle, he was already like with them. And I was like, ah, why couldn't they just fight all of them? Like, And I wish they had been more like, together instead of like they are meeting for the first time and they're all confused about where they are and they don't know what's going on and then they all just kind of go on a rampage and then separate and then come back together like i wish it was more organized i wish like like i wish doc ock was leading the charge instead of green goblin and Mm -hmm. he was like organizing them to fight the spider-men like i think that would have been cool i don't know how 100 percent i would have been on bringing in any six villain but it probably would have been Vulture, right? Like, who else would it have been? But then why would yeah. Vulture be fighting Spider-Man? You'd have to write that whole plot line in, too. Because he's, at the end of it, he, at the end of uh, uh, Homecoming, he seemed very much okay with Spider-Man. Was he, though? Remember Morbius when he showed up and said, let's kill Spider-Man? I didn't see Morbius, so it doesn't count. Well, that happened in that one. And he was still, because he was like, oh, Peter Parker, since he was my daughter's like boyfriend for a few weeks um that he was like not gonna try and rat peter out but mm-hmm. i think he still had beef with spider-man so it, it came to it he would have i think fought with the sinister six against him um but okay so at least that <laughs> that argument is now laid to rest we're both pro sinister six and i agree yeah them not being all on the same side like they should have had the doc Ock reversal come a little later um but Sweet. Now we can talk about Across the Spider-Verse really quickly. So again, we're not going to review the film, but there may be some spoilers about the Spider-People that are in this um, and some ways that they tackle the idea of the Spider-Verse and the idea of Spider-Man. So if you haven't seen it yet, do yourself a favor. Go watch it. But you and I have seen it 
We saw it together. Yes, we did. We held opening hands. night? Was it opening night? Yeah. Well, it was the Friday, Saturday. not the Thursday. Right. But still technically opening night. I mean, yeah. Um, so this one, it's definitely the biggest uh, take on Spider-Verse yet. We see a whole mm-hmm. spider society. Oh, yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of spider people. So they went all out with it. And 2099 Spider-Man was able to join. We got the cameo from him at the end of Into the Spider-Verse. Now this one, he is much more prominent. Mm-hmm. He's also very, very different, much more jaded compared to the goofy uh, sort of hmm. stinger we got at the end of Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, a whole bunch of other Spider-People. We got Spider-Punk, Spider-Man India, yeah. Spider-Bite, Scarlet Spider, Mayday Parker. We got Spider-Rex, the, uh, the T-Rex. Oh, yeah. Into that one. Um, Spider Therapist, and there were a bunch of all these other cameos of like the spectacular Spider Man anime. Yeah, that Spider Therapist was not a good therapist. <laughs> I know he was like he was very bad at his job. Trauma. It all started when my uncle Ben died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, heard not it a, before. Not, I've heard that one before. Yeah, like seriously, not a good, not a good therapist. And then the Unlimited Spider Man was in there i was a fan of that one but yeah a whole bunch of other ones there was web slinger the one that was oh, the cowboy it. on the horse that one was also great on the count of three draw i think it's so funny <laughs> so yeah a whole bunch of spider people so that was very cool to see um and then this was the thing that i want to mention here like the idea of the spider verse the concept of the canon and all these spider people being a part of like having their lives fit in with the canon of spider-man being these major events that all of them have experienced that define who they are as spider people so obviously they have the similar powers they have those similar costumes and whatnot um i'm sure they're all guided by that same philosophy of the uh responsibility thing but there's specific events as well that happen such as Uncle Ben's death, like an uncle's death, or the one that they focus on in this film, the death of a police officer that's close to Spider-Man. These events are immutable. They can't be changed. They are essential to Spider-Man being Spider-Man. And if these events don't happen, mm-hmm. then the entire Spider-Verse is at risk of collapsing. So what do you yeah. think of this idea of the canon being introduced in this Spider-Verse film? I think it makes it, it was a little hard to swallow at first, just because I thought it made it very meta when it didn't need to be meta. It was Mm kind of like taking a lot out of like the concept of what a multidimensional society could look like. Having such awareness of like these canon events of like what makes a Spider-Man a Spider-Man. Like it's it's almost like saying like we are aware of like the 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 similarities of these plot lines like these characters all have the same thing will happen over and over again and we're pointing to it, which mm-hmm. was a little much at first. I was eventually like it's all right because they leaned into it fully, and it, it's it's because that they use that as part of Miles's journey and like where he's going with his character. I think it's fine. You're right. It was just it was just definitely like a lot to take at once. I was like, ooh, they might be take biting off too much at once. Mm-hmm. I really like it. I love the approach to it of all these spider people being 
tied together with this idea of like the canon like because we see i mean they're vastly different they're all different ages different cultures different genders like all this stuff but they're united by these few specific events Mm. so i like that approach to it of giving some sort of cohesiveness to like all these spider people that are being introduced to and then that being like one of the main plot functions now of miles is trying to interrupt a canon event and all the other spider people are trying to stop him since that would threaten the spider as a whole yep. so i think that it's like a very compelling approach to it um i'm interested to see what they do with beyond the spider-verse how they end up closing out this concept yeah because it's one of those things which again no way home my biggest gripe with that was they frame the things that the hero is doing as being like absolutely heroic and awesome and i don't know that i would 100 percent agree with that based on the facts that were given like again with those villains that are coming into tom holland's timeline and he wants to save them and like put them back into their timelines but where they won't die it's like that's well and good but what does that do to those other universes like when toby and andrew go back to theirs is all of that stuff just undone like norman osborne's running around but harry's dead like that sort of yeah. stuff that part i was like okay i i agree with the idea of like we got to try and save people give second chances but it's like not at the risk of destroying continuity and the other universes same mm-hmm. thing with this one where if the facts were given which maybe miguel is not telling the truth but if what we know is canon events are essential to preserving the spider-verse and intentionally interrupting that would destroy all universes like, maybe miles should it's obvious why yeah. miles wants to save his dad that's a very human thing but it's also like at the end of the day beyond the spider-verse needs to end with that sacrifice happening like the dad or his dad would need to die and he would need to accept that as part of all the other kind of events of like tragic things happen you can't always save everyone so hopefully that's the direction we're going and they won't go in the direction of like oh it turns out he is able to save the dad and everything's peachy because spider-verse doesn't get broken anyway because the canon events don't actually matter so then it's like eh that's sort of undercutting what you established. I think it'd be neater if the dad didn't die. I think that would be a more, because it's like, it's such a hard thing to write is like, you have set it up to where you're right. Like everything is pointing to, you need to let him die. Otherwise the whole thing will fall apart. But like, what would, there has to be some kind of thing, some kind of reason why he could live. And at the same time, the universe wouldn't collapse. And then that would be Spider-Man doing the impossible, doing everything, which is like what Spider-Man's known for. Right. But I still feel like that's a, a cop-out at the end of the day. But if he, be like, but if he, he just, can pull off the impossible and it's like... But if he just dies and it's like, why did we go on this whole journey with with Miles? Right. Like, I'm saying they probably point? have it of the dad sacrifices himself. Like he, at that point in the film, it'd be the climax. He would know Miles as Spider-Man. He would know like all the stuff's going down. And so he would do something that, eliminates the spot but also eliminates himself but saves the spider-verse and so they can have their cake and eat it too in a way of like miles still legitimately was trying to save his dad and be a good person in that way and be a hero in that way but it still doesn't mean that they say oh yeah the canon didn't matter at all actually and the spider-verse would have been fine anyway because then that's sort of like rough for only other spider people that (laughs) did have these horrible events happen to them but then they're like oh we could have prevented that the whole time or Oh, it could have just been another way and everything would have been fine. I mean, because in real life, again, it's like things 
do happen. Like you can't just save everyone all the time. We we'll so. just have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, I would like if, as a measure of like Miles maturing again, he tries to do all that stuff, but at the end of the day, he has to accept like that horrible event will happen. And again, they should do it as a way of like the dad sacrificing himself, but he still can be a hero and he's reaffirmed as being a hero because the dad will, I'm sure, give another responsibility esque speech to him that makes him not want to give up. I don't know. We'll see. I trust the filmmakers there because um, they've made two amazing films thus far. And I think this concept is really interesting. And I love that like Miguel and all those other spider people, like their um, approach, their side makes sense. Milo's side makes sense. So pitting the two of them against each other creates really strong drama. I'm just wondering if they'll be able to stick the landing. And I hope they are going to be able to, but we shall see. I think they'll do it. Mm. I have faith. Indeed. And then, just as a quick thing, the future of Spider-Man, it seems like Amy Pascal has said that a live-action Miles Morales film and Spider-Woman film is in the works. Mm. So what are your thoughts on this? Um, I don't... I guess it's fine, yeah. I would like to see a live-action Miles Morales. I think it'd be cool. I'm game. I just don't trust Sony. I've never trusted <laughs> Sony. Sony's so bad at making Spider-Man movies. It's amazing Spider-Verse got made. It is. They're so trash. Like, like aside from Spider Verse, it is like shocking rough, how yeah. poorly they've done with all the other stuff. Yeah. I for that reason, I'm definitely hesitant. I also, I think there might be a risk of like oversaturating things because I think what they want to do is still get like their own Spider Man to connect all the like the Venom and morbius all that's going nowhere and madam webb and craven all this stuff like some spider-man to in interact with them um and i feel like it should be andrew garfield if they're gonna do that like yeah. in no way home they sh he showed like he's still great for this role um i think giving him a third film so he can like complete his journey as spider-man would be great and then i also am really interested in seeing a college trilogy with the mcu spider-man I feel like there's still a lot they can do with that. So my worry would be if we have Andrew coming back for another film, we have another trilogy of MCU Peter Parker throwing in Miles on top of all that. Maybe too much. And they couldn't do a Spider-Verse Spider adaptation because then it would just be a far inferior version of these three animated films. Mm -hmm. So they'd have to tackle it as a more normal um, film of like it's just him against some sort of villain in real life. And that, I think, would be better served coming after either Andrew or Tom Holland sort of finish up their run as Peter Parker. Like, I had it in, you know, my Spider-Verse idea. Um, and the Insomniac Games do this, too, of, like, Peter Parker with Miles. I think that would be an interesting approach of it being an older Spider-Man passing off to a younger Miles. Instead of Toby. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So give andrew his film then have him have miles morales and then so you still you have miles in your sony universe um and you can do whatever you want with him but it's not like him just coming out of nowhere as a solo spider-man it's connected to something that's come before it's not just going to be a rehash of spider-verse but yeah you let the other stories with peter parker play out and then give us mm. miles morales at the right time i'm worried yeah. that they'll Try and jump on it since he's so popular right now and across the spider is so popular right now. 
they'll try and jump on it too quickly and it'll just fall flat like a lot of their other Sony stuff have done in live action. But yeah, yeah, one can only hope it'll turn out amazing. But at some point, certainly, Miles will be live action. Indeed. It'll just be a matter of when. At this point, we can only wait and see. Mm-hmm. That is all the time we have. If you'd like to give your thoughts on the show, you can email us at theboxofficeshowpod at gmail.com. Our main time theme for the show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. If you like the show, please give us five stars on whatever podcast app you're listening to, and be sure to tune in next week. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.